I'm glad that we finally got to do this. Um, I'm, I, I, uh, I know we were supposed to do this last week, um, <laughs> and there were some technical difficulties. I, I don't want to get into them. Because <laughs> it's the name it, of our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they may cause some, some family grief that I, you know, I mean, that sort of thing. But uh, I, I, it's interesting that um, maybe the gods were speaking to us because we're going to talk about Boeing today. <laughs> I, I don't want to be, I, maybe it's too soon, but no, no, I, I, it's a terrible thing that happened today, and Boeing is back in the spotlight. So, in a way, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they're, we, they're back in the news in a big they're way. They're back in the news in a big way, and everybody's talking <laughs> about their way. airplanes. In yeah, in a bad way. way. Return right? of the Mac. Yeah, yeah, and everybody, you know, but you know, I, I, you know, we'll see the whole story as it it unfolds in in the coming days. But yeah, here we are. We're talking about. We're going to talk about several things. We're going to talk about Boeing, and I was like, wow, this is the day to talk about Boeing (laughs) because some stuff is going on right now. Welcome back to Mechanical and Freak, that podcast you all know and love, coming out of Seattle and Brooklyn, and really, wherever you want us to come out of, because we cover it all. Um, I'm Munya, with me, Greg and Brian. Hey. Hey. Boeing. Union busting, stock buybacks, planes falling out of the sky, and we've been here to cover it all. We've brought you the breaking news, we've read from the in-depth reporting and the long-form analysis. But has a thing really even happened before it's documented by the moving image? Well, at long last, Boeing has made it in Hollywood in the form of a new Netflix documentary titled Downfall. Uh, I, I really wish the uh, bunker meme wasn't like, you know, a visual medium because uh, we I'd have found a way to use it here. Uh, <laughs> more importantly, to talk about this with us, we have the man, the myth, the real African Marxist, local newspaper columnist, Charles Mudede. Welcome back, Uncle Charles. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah, how do we how do we keep booking these guests? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no kidding. No, the, you know the the title of that documentary again, "Downfall," is just eerie. Considering what happened today, I'm just like, oh man. You know, but I want the whole world to know. This is one thing all the listeners of this podcast should know. Don't blame Seattle. Blame Chicago. (laughs) We we have got nothing to do with this at all in Seattle. It's Chicago stuff now, right? It's Chicago shit. Or once. Yeah, yeah, for once. Don't even think about us. We didn't do anything. We tried. We're out of the picture. Just go to Chicago and... Whatever you, whatever, whatever grievances you have, channel, you know, um, focus them in that direction. We're referring well, to the Chicago School of Business in the seventies, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no that, that too, as well. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, yeah, the fact that you know Boeing just severed its its uh, its head and yeah. took it to uh, like like you almost like a, a what you call it like the, the headless horseman and just took it to Chicago. And decided that it was just going to operate without without workers was unique. I mean, it was pretty. I mean, they didn't even do that in Detroit. I mean, everybody. I, I keep telling yeah. this. This was exceptional. Uh, Boeing has a new technology. Work. Yeah, 
Yeah, but the, the idea was that, you know, they, they couldn't, like, you know, car manufacturing could just... Um, could 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 um, could could send off a, a bits and pieces of its production around the world, and uh, but Boeing could never do that that easily. So it decided to make this this instead of like this 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 uh, production transition. It just decided to say, "Oh, we'll use space instead. We'll just move to Chicago." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for for once, like so. I mean, to give the peek behind the curtain to listeners. Uh, we're recording this mere, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours after another Boeing plane crashed in China now. Another 737-800 this time. Yeah. We, nobody knows what, what the deal is at this point, but I uh, can't say it looks good for Boeing. But for once, this is not the product of the Seattleification of yeah. the world. That's what it is. We're out no, of it. We're not in this at all. But, you know, it's going to be a while. And, you know... Um, you're right. Uh, these planes have been, what I've read, they've been pretty safe. And um, but the problem is, it's Boeing, and now they have this reputation of being, you know, cutting the corners. Yeah, 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 right. And, and and you know, and so everybody wants to know what other corners are cut in this production yeah. company. And and you know, I mean, it's it's a you know, I mean, you you can recall like. 500,000 cars or something, but can you recall planes and all? I mean, this is another ball game. And it's, I'm wondering about American capitalism because I, I, I just feel the, the, the gravity of flight travel hasn't, Boeing didn't quite get that it's a different ball game. And we're stuck with this idea that they try to um, impose these standard kind of neoliberal policies or structural changes. And now we're in a situation where uh, but they're planes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very serious issue. And, and look, and I mean, yeah. when I say that, like we, you know, nobody knows what's happened yet. I'm not trying to imply in any way the mm-hmm. or endorse in any way the rampant speculation about pilots, which has probably been put out by Boeing. Uh, it's almost certainly a mechanical failure. That's what most airline crashes are by a wide margin. The thing is, we just don't know what mechanical failure yeah, yeah. at this point. But no, no, know? I'm I'm with you, but I have to also say uh, I'm on the I'm on the I'm 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 completely waiting for the results because uh, planes just don't fall out of the sky. Yep. That's one thing I do know. You know, my father was it my father or somebody used to tell me when I used to fly as a kid. They used to say, "Tell me." count up to when you take soft they say count to 60 when you fly when you get in a plane like count one count to 60 by the time you get to 60 you'll go okay (laughs) (laughs) because because most planes crash in that period of time it's not (laughs) but they don't really fall out of the sky like in the in this spectacular way yeah, it's falling in very steep Now, Charles, I'd like to change your mind in today's episode about planes just falling out of the sky. Yes. Can and do. But it is rare. It's it's mainly a takeoff and landing issue. But yes. Yeah. It's yeah, but we'll we'll see. But I mean, no, last... I, let's uh, let's just leave it at that. But I just yeah. think that people are thinking about it, even yeah, if yeah. it was not Boeing's fault. Everybody, yeah. Boeing placed themselves in a situation where we're now suspicious, right? I mean, that's yeah. because they've actually been shown as the the, the documentary uh, downfall clearly demonstrates that they, they we can't trust them anymore. Yeah, and that's and that's where they are. That's why I mean, don't blame Seattle because. We had nothing to do with this collapse in standards. 
for that air, for that for that for that corporation. Yeah. yeah. And just because I used to make parts for the 737, 800, and 700 series, right. don't blame me. I'm sure right, it was right. not yeah. my fault. All right. Yeah, right, right. Put my coin on this right now. That was not my parts in that way. <laughs> Brian is not responsible. <laughs> something wow. something Brian personally machined is literally strewn across the field uh, in China right now. I put a lot yeah. of effort into that. They should have thought about that before they crashed that. Not sure. Yeah. I don't know. But well, Charles, Charles, from one disaster to another, though, oh, good. I, I have to remind people because it's it's so hilarious that you're on with us right now, because when we had you on last time, it was literally the day before the COVID shut down. <laughs> and now <laughs> is that right? It was. Yeah. Yes. You were going out to the bar for one last drink and we interrupted <laughs> with a phone call. It was, and, it was the oak too. the, the oak on. on, on uh, I remember that night. It was the oak uh, on, Beacon. On, on Beacon Hill. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it was crowded. <laughs> have you well, been back to a bar yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's still good. i go to bars now but i got i'll explain my situation in it yeah yeah because i mean like uh we brought you in the day before the covid you know quarantine the giant shutdown started uh that we and now covid's over like so we have you the week after covid ended <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Back, it's, you know? it's, ended. So it's, great. it's it's over it's yeah nice. isn't yeah. it great i uh i was actually uh composing when i was walking home from the train station i was i, I was actually composing uh an opening i'm responsible for the news tomorrow morning for the stranger and i was actually composing a piece um about the complete failure of um, of of a mainstream left in the USA, and I wanted to. This is I'm just going to say it. I mean, people might disagree with this, and I understand why why that might be problematic or so on and so on. But if you look at like if you look at if if you look at the information, we're going into. If you look at what has happened, I mean, right? Um, we're going. We're probably heading towards another surge. Right, mm-hmm. without without doubt, without a question, and um, there was really no need to uh, considering that business business had already picked up, and these measures of um, you know of mask and 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 continuing these things of checking for 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 um, for a vaccination and all these things. That there was a sense in, in that that it wasn't that much. Everybody got used to it, and it wasn't that much work. Right, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it it could st- you know it was still effective, right? Like it was just like yeah. yeah, right. And then it's just yeah. like you you get into a situation where uh, uh there there was there was no real need except that there was this constant truckers going yeah. to whatever in Canada, and then truckers going to DC and shutting down traffic for uh, suburbans. Uh, suburban you know, commuters, which seemed to me like the dumbest idea politically that I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. Well, their natural constituency, and they yeah. pissed them all off. You know? yeah. Attacking them, the the only real place they feel pain, which is traffic. Which is like traffic. The only bad part of their lives that they're aware of consciously yeah. uh, uh, yeah, is right. the traffic. Like, no, that's all, you're, no, I, it, it's culture, all it was was culture war grist, but that is exactly where like liberal Democrat America is f- feels it's most vulnerable first, I think incorrectly probably, yes. but that's, that's, they feel like they have an exposed breast yeah. just like ready for the spear of the right wing culture war to stab them. And they, All they, the shut, time. they, they shudder when it's really like, uh, 
Yeah. It was but, only pissing off, like, the craziest people. The craziest people. And this is the most embarrassing aspect. Like, look, you, you it was, like, maybe six more months. Not that long. You know, mm-hmm. the, even before the demasking occurred, the economy, according to the standards, like, you know what I mean, yeah. of, of performance. The that neoliberal we had, economy. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Was doing very well. The jobs were. This is like, why, uh, why is the left even doing this? Why are yeah. the Democrats? Even doing this, like it doesn't make any sense. You you you're going to place yourself in a situation. Well, this is it. It's like I I was really upset because I I felt that the that the people who lead the left and I'd say it's the mainstream left, um, really uh, have decided that um, their job is is to um, is corrective. Right, like, like for mm. a certain amount of time, like what they do is that they, they, you know, if I was looking at like the, the whole history of economics, I just realized that they're just doing the same thing. Where, you know, the truth is always given to the right. right? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so, what you all you're doing is just simply staving off. You know what I mean? Like putting them aside mm-hmm. uh, for long enough for say. Uh, the corrective uh, to put capitalism back on on track to to do some you know what I mean but it's just like you know but ultimately they win even yeah, without yeah. even in this case with COVID how in the world could you say that you you could win this outright <laughs> but, but mm. no you have to you have to give you have to give the right this now maybe maybe virginia spooked him a little bit because everybody the narrative in virginia was um was that that the guy who's schooling and uh the parents wanted kids to go back to school and so forth and so on um i i always felt i always feel that when you hear a major storyline uh in an american news you know that it's kind of probably wobbly and not, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, value, yeah, yeah. value is very small. Or well, the, the, the bigger truth was that he didn't, he didn't side with Trump and, and it was an mm-hmm. off season election. And so basically people were, you know what I mean? People, this democratic exhaustion and so forth and so on. And the Democrats have like done nothing for COVID either too. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah Turnout on like, their side. As absolutely. Well. Not Mania. offering anything on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And not, and not, and not really saying, I mean, yeah. And so we, well, we're stuck in the situation where what in the hell, why would you remove all of these basic uh, business, still business friendly, uh, you know, social protections at a time uh, you know, it's just like, oh, we're going to go through this again. The European numbers are coming back to us, and we're like, oh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> like, you know, what I mean? get rid of it, like bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah. Well, you know, and now England has become basically the future of the U.S. You can always see where we're going by seeing what's going on in England. Like, oh yeah, bleak. That's bleak. That's yeah, so bleak. Yeah, we're going to be there in, in a month. I mean, that's what it is, right? No. So they have a search right now. Uh, a new surge with a new virus, and so it's just like they they did what we what America did. They they let go of all of the all of uh, all of the protections, all of the you know all of, all the things that could that that just did that that just I don't know why it was so important to to let go of them well, so so suddenly. 
can can I, I, maybe, I do know why but yeah, yeah can i maybe interest you and i'd love to get your opinion on this i want to I read you this this little bit this is from an article that uh came out in the daily poster called how dark money shaped the school safety debate and yeah, i'll read this quick right. passage here you see, uh, I know, and you're right. So <laughs> I was suspicious of this. No, no, I was already saying oh. this. Yeah. So this is from an article called How Dark Money Shaped the School Safety Debate. Um, this is just a little excerpt. When the pandemic first hit the U.S. in the spring of 2020, Coke-affiliated groups saw an opportunity to reassess American education, moving away from public schools to private and homeschool alternatives. But within a few months, the school narrative out of Coke world began to shift coinciding with growing concerns about labor shortages and changing workplace dynamics caused by nationwide school closures. The closures meant a loss of childcare for many parents, which contributed to plummeting labor force participation early in the pandemic. An April 2020 guide to school reopenings from the consultancy group McKinsey and Company, whose clients include many of the world's largest companies, estimated that 27 million Americans were dependent upon childcare in order to work. Where a significant proportion of workers rely on schools for childcare, reopening schools, at least for younger children, might be a prerequisite to tapping into the full productive capacity of the workforce, the report noted. The tight labor market changed the relationship between employers and their workers, who began demanding more flexibility and better work-life balance. Companies were forced to respond by raising wages, albeit inadequately, in order to attract workers. Enterprises like Coke's were eager to force a return to the old paradigm. These interests had already begun employing the same think tanks and quasi-academic networks they had pioneered a decade before promoting the anti-government Tea Party movement to fuel and legitimize attacks on pandemic safety measures so they could force a return to normalcy and boost corporate profits. Now these interests began to use the same playbook to try to force schools back to normal. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. I mean, we'll put a link to this article because it really goes through the dirty mm-hmm. details, right? But I mean... Isn't this what we just all suspected all along, <laughs> right? I mean, but what do you think, Charles? I, I, this is, in fact, uh, when, when we began talking, that that I was uh, saying that, of course, uh, there's something at work in the background here, uh, the way that it was pumped through the system, and the way that it worked in Virginia, and the way that it spooked the Democrats, who are easily spooked. Um, I mean, and, which is sad. I mean, I, it's really hard for me to, 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 to. I mean, it's hard for me not to bash the Democrats. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. As much as I, I, I vote for them, but it's hard for me not to do so. But yeah, this sounds completely, completely in line with this whole mechanism of like, uh, we, we, we think that we're working in a democracy, but we're really working in a um. Uh, uh, a, a system where um, opinion is um, directed, where where feelings are directed. You know, no, nobody. Can I say one last? I just there's a, there's an important thing that I want to point out. What 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 these people were able to really convince the American public of, because you know, you say that there is no option to childcare. There's not. You know, we we actually make a situation where where there's no option but mm-hmm. this one, right? I mean, make that option look like it's the only option and the only natural you know what I mean like we make it as if it's natural but what they're doing and what they've always wanted from the very start is a kind of an end uh, uh is a kind of a uh a, a necroeconomics right they, they've always wanted us to accept the economy over death right mm-hmm. And 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 you no know, no no if you look at it what what you are saying right now 
and the Democrats finally have folded to this, is that we're going to let people die. Yeah. Because the economy is much more important than life. And it's a strange, and and they, when they built that and they've, you know, they've, they've like said, going to work, kids. And so we're not talking about the consequences of this, which is, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, who are older than us, I'm I'm looking at everybody here, dying. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what you're saying in our face. And nobody's actually saying, you know what I mean? The Democrats are coming saying like, maybe life is important. No, maybe, maybe yeah. old people have attachments to their, to their young people. And no, we're not saying this. We're you remember, saying you should, you should go and die. Do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic when I think it was Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick in Texas? He was the, said, the, the, yeah, yes. he, and he was like, I think the old people would be happy to die for the economy and all this kind of stuff. And the funny part is everybody was, properly said this is monstrous. But is this not just what we're doing? <laughs> what we're doing. No, the Democrats yeah. just delayed what he said. And yeah. this is what I mean if we go back, that they're not really saying that the system is ultimately or fundamentally wrong. They're saying that we need a capitalism that is as has a that has a much more um uh that's much more, you know, kinder, gentler, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and so on and so on. But ultimately, you know, it comes back to the same thing. And so here we are. Dan Patrick was just only, you know, stating the fact that this yeah. is a society we live in. Everybody was horrified, but my God, he was correct. He was right. He said yeah. he he told us in our face because how in the world are we here with a with a second surge coming along? All the people saying it's happening, all of the things dropped, and you can say like, how is he wrong? Considering the yeah. situation we're in, but then you say like, oh yeah. No, necroeconomics has, and I called it. I said, oh, no, necroeconomics, he's calling for it. The, the, the president of Brazil was calling for it at the time. You know, everybody was like, no, no, here we are. They were saying the economy is more important than you. And then you have to ask the greater question. Oh, is well, what is the economy about? Yeah. Why Why is it well, greater than me? That's, sometimes that's you get question. to hear the the uh, actual thoughts of the ruling class out loud. You yeah, know? Out loud, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're telling you, die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, and COVID forces that. Because, I mean, I think <laughs> Democrats really, uh, they depend on abstraction of that mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. It's like something that we all mm-hmm. know, but they thrive on abstracting it. And COVID has forced them to be very direct, right? Because it's not something that you can abstract out. You have to directly basically say in so many words that a lot of people are going to die because we prioritize capital over people which is like yes. what they've always done but that's just yeah. it's very explicit now well yeah. let me figure out i think there's like possibly two different things going on here because like the school the school reopening and like throwing out all the measures to protect school children and their families i mean you know that seems to be relate to me related to of course getting people back to work this realization by by the you know the business uh, ruling class of america like the cokes that we need childcare and all that exists is school. I mean, that's based on actual like hard material realities in this moment in America. Like our whole school system is, you know, the legacy of an earlier era of economic development in this country that yeah. is on its last legs that is now supporting all working people through childcare because all parents have to work in America, unlike in possibly previous eras, despite 
you know, what you hear about nobody wanting to work, uh, you know, yeah, both yeah. parents in every household work in almost every uh, family with children in America. And so that's like this hard limitation that was really running up against. And at the end of the day, like, I, you, I, you know, what was going to happen, like, that was one way or another, whether intervention from, you know, business lobbies and like uh, AstroTurf groups like that the Crokes run, that reality was was like coming to a head. The the next thing, though, the, the simpler thing, like the mask mandate shit and the, the and the testing funding, which they're also pulling mm-hmm. uh, this stuff, you could just keep doing. And that's where you really have to say, like, yeah, uh, you know, some a better, more dynamic uh, political force could also solve the childcare problem in America. But like, mm-hmm. that's not the country we live in. But like, <laughs> it's really fucking low hanging fruit to keep the basic measures in place. And also, yeah, the money there now the the feds are saying like, oh, yeah, all the subsidies for testing for people who oh, have yeah, 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 insurance yeah, yeah, are going yeah, away because yeah, yeah. lack of funds, you know, yeah. um, well, a hell of a thing for the government to say when it's like just saying like, yeah, well, you know what? The con- Congress has the power of the purse and don't don't ask me which party's in charge. Um, yeah. Yeah. And but isn't aren't those two things different? And like, because one is like one seems like really low hanging fruit, like keeping the mass mandates in the face of a new um, a new onslaught. You know, um, everybody treats capitalism as if it's um, solely about money and a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a distributional issue. Right. And in, in that sense, like, you know, but I always mm-hmm. I, when you hear things like this, particularly what you've just described, um, you have to understand for me, uh, I have I see this in my, uh, the perspective that what they're really terrified about is not even um, an economic shock or even, you know, what I mean, even like mm-hmm. uh, low productivity or whatever. I mean, to be honest, um, um, World War Two happened for four, almost five years, uh, at least four years. And then uh, uh, people were, were just committed to the war effort and had to change their lives to commit, you know what I mean, to, mm-hmm. do, to, to doing yeah. all these things. And you're just, you're looking at like COVID and you're like, if we had done, if we had done like one year of what they'd done to, for the war effort, we probably would have been out of this thing straight off the bat, right? Like if you actually look at the commitment and, and so forth and so on. So you're like looking at it like, no, actually capitalism would have actually done pretty well if we had just stuck to something really rigid um, for the first year uh, uh, of the lockdown. And we probably would have been back in pretty much, you know, in business. I mean, so we're China, not even China's done fine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing fine, yeah. but and, you know they're being shaken up right now. But but you know, I'm just saying that for the most part, capital would have been in a better position. And so you got to ask you a question. The question you have to ask is like, well, if this thing, if we had actually done this, and you say like for a year, yeah, gasoline is not used, blah blah blah, right? And then everything, you know, people are hanging out and so on, and uh, and then capitalism gets a reboot a year later. And, and and goes along its path, probably probably reinvigorated, uh, with 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 some demand as it happened after World War Two, uh, a demand for 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 goods and services and you know and flourishing and so on and so on. But no, we we didn't even do that, right? Yeah. And so the question is like, oh, so even what would work really well for capitalism is not even what capitalism wants. So you have to ask yourself like. 
well, then what is it they're after? And then you're just saying, oh, it has to be um, management of, um, of, of, uh, of, class, of class structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. And I think if you remember when they had the debates about uh, extra unemployment benefits as well as the various, yeah. you know, like $1,300 checks and whatnot, yeah. this issue came up over and over again of like, well, you know, are people just going to think that we're just going to give them money? And then why would they go to work? You yeah. know, like, I mean, the issue of power and control seemed to always be at the forefront, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. It was never about affording it, right? It was all, it was all about like a psychological, um, you know, awakening mm. that could, that could, it could inspire and just dis- discipline too, right? It's just disciplining, yeah. like, you know, the working class. And that's what it is, Munya, really. I mean, I'm just, it's, it's, and I, and I, and I, I always try to draw people back to this, like, no, actually, we can actually, we could actually, all four of us, come up with a pretty good capitalism. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I mean you, you could actually say that to people. No, actually, mm. you know, it is a difficult thing to say, even to the left. They're like, oh, and particularly to Marxists. But they're like, no, actually, it could. It's conceivable. It's not. It's been, it's been tried. It's, it's been, been done. Tried. It's not. It's, it's not outside of the yam, but uh, it's not what they want. Yeah. You have to ask yourself. Oh, it's not about. It's not about. You know the, the the whole. I was really interested right now because the inflation issue was a big topic recently, and um, and uh, 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 it brought into the spotlight the, um, the, the, the 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 new monetary um, school, right? I think it's MMT, right? Uh, yeah. Modern monetary theory. People yep. coming in, Steph. I think Stephen uh, Kelton, St- Stephanie, Stephanie Kelton, Kelty, yeah. Kelton came up with uh, is now leading that, and it it really comes out of the sort of post Keynesian um, branch that is related to um, I Minsky, who everybody sort of knows about right now because we called what the crash happened in two thousand eight a, a Minsky moment because <laughs> these things are pretty predictable. Um, and he was neglected as an economist in the U.S. for a, a long time. He died in 1986, I think. But uh, what is it called? The MMT, um, the Modern Monetary Theory, uh, said says something that's really like, you know, I mean, you look at it and you're like, they're actually proposing a capitalism th- that is functional. I mean, it, mm-hmm. in a sense, just look at the, you know, you go through it and you, you read it and you're like, it could work. But the only problem is, why if it's what they, what they're what they're offering if you if you look at their stuff they're saying that uh, that uh, government that is nonsense ignore that that that's that's if you if you can print money you're you're fine and i and i have to i have to um qualify that but i'm not going to do that here but just to say that i there's a, there's an aspect of that position that's interesting but i the, the other one that i do like from them is they say something that's completely sensible to me. They say, they, they, you know, we were talking about a public option for health, and they talk about a public option for jobs, meaning that the government should say, if you really want to work, we got stuff to get done in this country, and mm-hmm. we'll give you that job. We got, we got, we got things to do, and we have, we, have, we have emergencies, we have all these things, and the thing is, like you know, you're looking at this uh, proposal as a as a as an as a uh, as an as a as a as a, um, uh, an, uh, a public option for the job market, right? You 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 think mm-hmm. it's like mm, 
it's not it's not that radical actually. <laughs> actually, it makes yeah. sense. But what does it do essentially? What it does it deflates the the the, the class structure that's mm-hmm. presented by capitalism. That's what it does. It's not this that it's the price of labor. Yeah, it gives power to the lowest, the lowest the people, class. and maybe people want to go out and plant trees. Maybe people want to go out and no. build tracks for high for for, for rapid rail you know what i mean and all these things that we actually do need you know like you know i was like oh my god if there's a public option for jobs and these jobs were meaningful and that uh, mm-hmm. we were building for really future uses and the government could just do this and it would have these knockoff effects for the economy people will be buying stuff and all the stuff and so the economy would be fine and even in capitalist growth terms without you know no, no, that's not what they want. It's not at yeah. all what they want, right? Yeah, I think, and, you know, people get lost in, like, the sort of economism of trying to look at the, you know, the X's and O's, the numbers, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, profits and things like that. And they forget that capitalism, you know, the the incentives of capitalism build an ideology, right? Mm-hmm. These are, ide- like, Bill Gates is a deeply ideological person, right? You know, yeah. and, you know, and this gets to the heart of, like, union busting and stuff like that, which isn't just about, keeping wages low or labor costs low or anything like no. that. Union busting is about control of the shop, right? That's what it is. Yeah. And they want it. And they will take a loss to get it, right? That's it. You know? Yeah. A hit. Oh. A total hit. A crash, if you yeah. will. Yeah. No, no, no. It's more important than than, than it's more important than profits. And that's this is the thing that we've always been taught. Like profits are profits are the, at the top. No, no. I always always say no 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 no. Actually um domination, class mm-hmm. domination is at the top. And um, money is just a, a means of that. Well, no. funny enough, it sounds like we're already talking about Boeing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> From one necroeconomics to another. From one <laughs> <to> another. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, but yeah, the, the last time we had you on, we also talked a little bit about Boeing and the 737 MAX crash. And wouldn't you know it, we're coming right back around to some 737 issues. But, um, you know, at the time... You had written a series of articles examining the 737 MAX disaster and its roots. And for those that somehow don't remember this, uh, in 2019, there were two Boeing 737 MAX uh, aircraft that crashed uh, within a couple months of one another upon takeoff. Uh, Boeing blamed the pilots. Turns out that it was actually the demonic MCAS system put into the machine, uh, into the plane that crashed it. And, uh, And then we find out that they did it for a lot of cost cutting measures. Now, a lot of reporters, uh, I'm not going to say where, but at the Seattle Times, got this wrong. <laughs> and Charles, I think uh, when we watch the downfall documentary, we're finding that people are coming around to your view on this thing. So why not dance in the end zone a little bit here? What did you get right? right? <laughs> yeah. What did you get right? Why did you get it right? And even more importantly, what did the Seattle Times get wrong? <laughs> well, well, hang on. I, I was watching. I was watching. I was waiting for your like talking head to come up where they nah, talk to you for the documentary. Uh, and I, nah, I was just amazed nah. that didn't happen. <laughs> no, nah, it didn't happen. But, you know, and they only brought up uh, the financial aspect. I didn't, I didn't think they did enough to, uh, I, I liked the, the documentary. I, I really did because it, it did, it did discuss uh, the, the victims and, um, and, you know, I, I really, it's hard to not to feel sad for somebody whose life is chained to something like that. I mean, you want to live your whole life and not be chained to a, a crash caused by um, cost cuts 
you know, and share value maximization policies and things like that. But I, I really did. I, I attacked Seattle Times in my pieces and I, because they, they had just refused to, um, to talk about the financial aspects of Boeing. They, they, they always, you know, they, they wanted to believe that uh, it was all meat and potatoes and so forth and so on. And that, uh, you know, and, you know, and that all of that stuff that was going on in Wall Street was just airy, fairy stuff, nothing important going there. What's important is that we, we make airplanes. And it's like, you're you're dreaming, and I said you're. This is you're right. This is this is you're completely crazy to think that that's what it's come down to. And you know, and they, they did. And, you know, you know, I you know, what's his name, Dominic Gates, who is not also, a bad person. Dominic Gates also not quoted in the documentary. Well, yeah, you know, well, you know, he won he won a Pulitzer Prize for uh, for for describing <laughs> what he failed to describe. I went through Dominic's entire body of work over he mentioned nothing about the financial transactions mm-hmm. of Boeing. They were of yeah. no interest to him. You know, and you know, in a way, I I I, I understand okay, okay. This is a, this is gonna be this is gonna sound a little funny. Uh in economics and uh there is a a, a really deep and you know complicated debate um which is again it, it, because it's so buried, people don't understand that they are talking in that way, right? And they mm. don't understand where it's coming from. But there's this debate um, in economics uh, between different different positions, and they they they, they, they you know they will as to how extreme they are on this issue. But uh, according to the neoclassical school, and a lot of people will be amazed to hear this, but money is neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's hard to tell people this. Like, no money. They 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 think money is just a veil, yeah. and they present it as such. You just like, you know, anybody in the real world would be like shocked to hear this. But I just like, no, this is they they've actually have formulas and so forth and so on that show that the the, the important thing is the that that products are sold, uh, are are exchanged, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's about it. But uh, money only. Um, facilitates these exchanges, and so it's not considered to be relevant in the discussion mm-hmm. of uh, of economics. This is the leading economic theory in universities: money yeah. neutrality, right? Yeah. And it's it's not even now. I always tell people like, no, 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 no. It's bad because you have to. You can even go to read somebody like uh, Paul uh, Paul Krugman. And he mm-hmm. is a neo-Keynesian, and it's like no, he's a guy who's like you know neo-Keynesians are not entirely awful, but they still hold to this notion of uh, of, um, of, uh, of, uh, of 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 uh, of of the of the long term. I will say I'll be on. I'll be fair with him on the long term neutrality of money, meaning mm-hmm. that they they will admit that in the short term there should be government intervention dealing with financial crisis or whatever, but they will still accept the, this long-term view that ultimately there's an equilibrium, meaning that in the long-term, um, uh, uh, money is neutral, right? And that, yeah. that's, where, that's where Krugman comes from. And it's hard to tell you, like, 
this idea has devastating effects on how you, because you're saying that money has no class power. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know? gives, is this what gives Dominic Gates like implicit like permission or the idea in his head that he doesn't need to talk about the Wall yeah. Street and the stock no. prices and the yeah. buybacks and stuff? Yeah, no, just completely, because it's not, uh, you know, there was like, oh, we gave them tax cuts, we gave them all these things, and yet our jobs were lost, and then they can come back and say, oh, it's a, com- a competitive market, sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just like, uh, they, they, they go back and say, it's a competitive market, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it still comes out of the idea that there's no power in yeah. money because they're just operating under a, uh, the uh, the instruction, right, of the system. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not like you know. We have to sell that this 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 company selling these products. They're doing a better job of it, and so we have to increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to improve our performance in product production and distribution. But they're not talking about money. Yeah. Nobody's talking about money. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. They, 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 and so and so on. And so you know, if you don't say money is about power, if you don't mm-hmm. say money is about class uh, influence. Which is bizarre to anybody yeah. in the real world if they sit down and think about it. Why else is anybody breaking a window and going and grabbing a, an ATM machine? This <laughs> 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 looks yeah. at the real world. You're just like, how in the how how impressive they've convinced a society and yeah. in major and business reporters in covering uh, the the Boeing. That money doesn't matter. It, that that the fact that they had that forty billion dollars in stock buybacks just didn't matter. I mean, in all of their reports, I always go back to this. I was like, I'm always shocked. I was like, go back. Not one report of it at all. Yeah, there's only two towering media agencies in the entire region covering this. Uh, one was your column of the stranger, and one was the Seattle Sucks podcast. But- yes. Oh, there's one other one. We had enough. The Herald Net had a reporter who was the only other person to mention it. Yeah, Everett Herald. Yeah, Everett yeah, yeah. Everett Ever- Herald. He was blown away. Nobody even took it seriously. And I yeah. was like, and I always wanted to find him because I, I read. I, I was like, oh, someone actually mentioned this. In in Everett, but uh, yeah. you know, but yeah, but no, but nobody considered it as you know as um, yeah. interesting. Well, money was likely neutrally used to shut them up, but but yeah, I mean, yeah. like a lot of times, I, I think modern economics, like the its whole function at this point, is to pretend as if the economy, the most unnatural man-made thing that's ever existed, is to pretend and trick people into thinking it's natural, right? And that it's yeah, yeah. whims and whatever are like the winds. And I remember yeah. in the 2008 crash, you'd hear people say this, and they just, when talking about the real estate bubble or something, they'd just be like, ooh, you know, there was just ghosts, you know? <laughs> or like, you know, yeah. they'd almost be like, like yeah. it was like witchcraft that this somehow came about as opposed to, no, this is a man-made disaster caused by greed. And I think with Boeing, we see the same you know, impulse. Like, how can this not be somebody's fault? <laughs> and it's like everything else that large numbers of the establishment voices are fucking wrong about. It's that if you were right about it, well, you were right for the wrong reasons because you're a fucking crackpot, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, like, so with the 2008 crash, like, there were people out there, there were economists and there were, there were journalists who were saying for the preceding few years you know yeah this looks fucking terrible um but you know they were they don't count uh and the people who said like man there's no way you could see this coming are are right because 
that was the established view. You know, they're they're wrong for the right reasons. Um, and in this in the documentary that we're essentially talking about here, um, it's full of the first half, especially is full of journalists saying exactly this of in front of the camera saying like, man, I mean, gosh, how could we have known? You know, they're, they're establishing the premise that like, OK, we're seeing, yes, there were changes in corporate, the, the McDonnell Douglas merger, the move to Chicago the lax, uh, the safety, like engineer culture breakdown is the way they frame it. And the journalists are going like, gosh, yes, we, all this stuff was going on. We know that now. But how could we know this was Boeing? This was like this great, this like, yeah, company. Yeah. incredible yeah. company with this legacy of this uh, culture of success and safety. And we just took that all for granted. And they want to say and they, they do. They literally say on camera. They have the gall to say, yeah, there's really like, guy, yeah, we were wrong. We couldn't see it, but it was impossible to see. And so, I mean, that's the question. Like, at what point, Charles, should we have, should everyone have been able to see that this was going wrong, like from the outside? Yeah, from the moment, as you pointed out, I would almost say, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's a critique I'm sorry, I just point this out. I'm sorry, everybody. It's, it's bad news. There's the critique you presented, which really starts around 2001, mm-hmm. and that that is that is the that is the one critique. And then there's a second critique. Uh, I I do understand that uh, Boeing um, had another culture, but we also have to interrogate this culture and to figure out what is it about this culture that made it so right. You know what I mean? Like, we have mm-hmm. to wonder, like, what happened? You mean the earlier culture? Yeah, the earlier culture. We were almost like, when yeah. you watch a documentary like that, they just give it up to this earlier culture. And I was like, whoa, not mm-hmm. so fast. Well, they, they yeah. frame it as a culture of engineer-led yeah. design and management, yeah. that the engineers were in charge, that that they had this. It's The documentary spends a lot of time establishing this, that you know, Boeing was run by the engineers. They were in management. They were close to management. They were uh, doing the designing. They were making the calls. And ultimately, there was a culture of open discussion of design issues and especially yeah, yeah, safety yeah, that was yeah, led by yeah, the engineers. Yeah, yeah. So this is the narrative that the documentary sort of establishes. And yeah, it does sort of take it for granted. It doesn't ask where that comes about, from. About that culture. And, you know, yeah, it might have been a bit, you know, I mean, you, you know, comparatively, mm-hmm. um, I I was really interested. There's a, a book called the, the New Spirit of Capitalism. This this was, these were two French sociologists and uh, they, they presented a really important um, um, portrait of the, of the transformation, it wasn't just simply Boeing. It was all. It was widespread, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you know what I mean? That, that that there was this there was this movement away from where, or, and then what she what they say, and um, in a sense, is that management uh, for a long time was actually closer to um, labor uh, during this period, this post war period. So basically, you're looking at 1947 to. 1973, essentially that, that particular period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so management, uh, uh, if you look at pay, if you look at, you know, this pay structure, if you look at management was not that far from, right? It's, uh, from So did something happened in the 1970s when um, the, the management was detached from, um, uh, from this relationship with labor and uh, became a relationship with um, shareholders. 
that's the that's the that's the basic structure of the thing. But I'm not going to provide the answer here. But I always want people to like to think about like, uh, well, why did managers associate with labor after World War II? That's the first question you have to ask. Right? Yeah. You have to go. When I say it goes deeper, like you have to start there. Like, what happened for for this? For this to and why was uh, why was why was CEO pay not that fantastic, right? Not by choice. Not by choice. Yeah, oh, right. No, it's just magic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they right. They just wanted to. <laughs> they just wanted to. It's like no, friendly what, what, back then. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, what made them? You know, what? What? what, what why did they make these leap and bounds during the eighties that were you know that a CEO in nineteen sixty five would be shocked to see what a CEO gets paid in even mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty seven. Right. I mean, not to speak of of nineteen uh, uh, ninety seven, and not to speak of two thousand and seven, and hell no, two thousand and seventeen. This is like no comparison. Like what had yeah, happened? That put him back in the grave to see yes. that pay now. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. They'd have, they'd have been they'd be pissed. They'd be saying we should have killed more unionists. Yeah, you know? yeah be like, we, we could just do that. <laughs> well, <the thing laughs> is, yeah, right. It's, it's interesting yeah. to bring this up, right? Because this is part of the like the phantasm that the right sells to its base, right? Because there's always this hearkening back to this other period where things were better, which we always presume to be the 50s or the 60s, yeah, yeah, right. right? Yeah, And the, their answer to that is, is well, it was segregation. <laughs> That's why this happened, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it whatever, wasn't, right? It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a high tax rate. It yeah, wasn't yeah. Uh, uh, capital <laughs> controls. Uh, and it, Yeah, yeah, no, and it wasn't all these things. So. And also, um, um, by comparison, comparatively, um, um, CEO pay, you know that you know that was still significant, but not you know stellar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not 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 cosmic. You know what I mean? And uh, and so here we are in a situation. So when you look at Boeing, you you cannot uh, you know just don't act. A lot of people would say when I was writing this stuff, I was like, no. There's a whole structural transition. Mm-hmm. Boeing is not out of this 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 transformation of the economy. I'd be surprised if they if they had somehow to do it. You know, uh, Amazon. By the way, I just want to put this out. Amazon. Okay, there's two things I want to say about Amazon. Let me. We're gonna check a nope. quickly thing. Two things. Two things. Uh, one thing is uh, one is actually came out of David Harvey. And I've just been, I've followed David Harvey all the time. He's this old Marxist geographer. Um, um, he is old. He's 87. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wow. interested in that. He, yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. He, he knew he, Marx actually personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's that's why he's so versed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was interesting because he talked about the, uh, he, he has a big theory right now. Uh, and everybody's sort of like trying to see if it works. There's this theory in Marxism that says um, that, that 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 deals with um, the falling rate of profit. It's it's an instinctual theory. Actually, it means that basically, if I'm selling lemonade on the street and I'm making a lot of money, people start to sell lemonade on the street also, and therefore the value of my lemonade uh, starts to mm-hmm. fall. Right, yeah. and that's that's it. There's going to be a falling rate of profit. There's no way around this problem, right? Mm-hmm. People, mm-hmm. humans are imitative and self and so on. And you know, they like, no, 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 it's not that grand. It's pretty. It really is that simple. Is that there's going to be like if you there was uh, there was enough airline manufacturers, you know, 
that this would happen with Boeing and so forth and so on. But, um, and by the way, I mean, that's why the federal government forced that merger between Boeing and That's what they Douglas. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to basically create the monopoly, right? Because monopoly, of the yeah, monopoly in the industry. Yeah. yeah, right. That's monopoly pricing. Yeah. yeah. And so they wanted to, they just they wanted that sort of, that, that sort of control of the market. And, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, so he's dealing with this falling rate of profit. But, you know, he, uh, David Harvey, um, is as a, as a counter theory to that is that mass is as important as the falling rate, meaning that the larger you are, right, it doesn't, that 2% on a large amount of uh, capital is a huge profit, right? Mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was, and so he was talking about how Amazon, um, um, Jeff, Jeff uh, Bezos had this idea that I'm not worried about profit, I'm worried about size. I just want to get as big as possible, right? And you know, in a sense, I sort of admire him for that, for because he's not making a profit. And nope. I was like, you know, just like, no, 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 no. The he's making lo- a mon- monopoly. He's making a monopoly. The larger he gets, the the mm-hmm. mass starts to count. So when you when he gets big enough, one percent is going to be knock out of the park, right? It's, you mm-hmm. want, you know, right? So and so on, so on. When he says size, also he's talking about market capture too. Yes, you know, yeah, and that gives you power into the future to, to keep realizing these profits and be protected from the falling rate of profit. That's it. To some degree, because you've got the whole fucking pie. You're not competing with anyone because you fucking crushed them into the ground. The genius pitch. It is. You got to respect him because it's his genius pitch to wall street. Yes. That he said, listen, just stick with this through all the, the us not profiting and through the dot com crash, sell all your other shit, stick with us and we'll just take the whole fucking ball game. And you know, I, I know a lot of people don't. I, I, and uh, if David Harvey is saying that was that was extraordinary in terms of a of a business model, but it's mm-hmm. also helping him um, argue against this Marxist school of the falling rate of profit. I have to say, yeah, Bezos kicked kicked ass. That was that was that was that was fundamentally, you know, uh, 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 if I was a capitalist, I'd say, yeah, that was a good idea. Don't worry. Don't worry about profit. Worry about size. And that's what control. Yeah. I mean, it gave him the money to create this podcast and funnel money to us to secretly pitch his message. Yeah. But the one thing that they're doing is that they started last week, they started doing share buybacks. Yeah. Uh, no but, shit, I mean, really? At a, a major yeah. one, they're buying back, I think, um, ten billion dollars worth of stock. <gasps> yeah. Oh, the investors are. It's gonna. It's starting to pay off. So, oh, that's big news. I did. I had not heard no, this. So that huge. means. Yeah, well, AWS finally gave them the like groundwork to do it, right? Like uh-huh. the ground was too unsteady before that. So they right? only started showing a profit because of AWS in the last few years, right. and now. Mm-hmm. The very patient investors, after 25 years, Demanded. building the Monopoly behemoth, finally start seeing some fucking returns. This yeah. is a new era. It's a, it's a 10 billion. Was it 10 billion, Munya? Was it? Was uh, uh, yeah, and let me just confirm Holy that. But, no, it, is, it, is, it is 10 billion. And they did a uh, 20 for one stock split as well um, and a $10 so, billion dollar buyback. So they're basically, yeah, they're giving whatever small profits they've made. Uh, they're giving it right back to the investors, and everybody has to know that when it, when you do a stock buyback, anybody doesn't forget, doesn't they don't get this? They buy it back and they they destroy those stocks. 
It's mm, not. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not it's in a, the treasury, really. It's yeah, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like throwing <laughs> money into into a fire so that it grows larger. <laughs> <laughs> so that so this this is a key concept to understand because this is a big part of the story of Boeing, which is only barely mentioned in the documentary and and like maybe yeah, like yeah. an offhand way once, but like yes, you have. Uh, profit cash lying around as a corporation or cash you fucking borrowed uh, leveraging yeah, you know your right. assets yeah. and you buy back in a reverse of issuing stock to the market which would dilute the, the value of every shareholder's uh, value of their stocks you buy it back you just go onto the stock market and buy it as the company and then it comes back and you obliterate it from existence such that there is now <laughs> Less stock, and all those stocks that are still out there are worth more. a lot more. Yeah, it's a comical represent- interpretation of supply and demand theory. Like yeah. it's basically, <laughs> it is. yeah, it's, it's supply and demand realism, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. the key, and the key element here is, I mean, since nobody in this country really owns stock, right? I mean, it is one of these like hard things to understand. I was actually explaining this to my mother-in-law uh, on Saturday night. But the key thing to understand is that board members, all their money comes from their stock. Right. Yeah. Yeah, CEOs pay. I mean, they get a nominal salary, but their pay really comes from their stock. And this is where it's like, this is where capitalism gets real simple and about what you're talking about earlier, Charles. Where it's like, this is where you have to care a little bit about money, right? Because they sure as fuck do. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is essentially a direct payment to themselves through a stock. But in the the, the, the expense (laughs) of the the cash reserves, the leverage position, whatever Mm. of the corporation. No, no. I, I, when I was a kid, I would let you know. I was a kid. My dad was an economist, and uh, uh, he would. I would always. Uh, we'd always look at the stock market in in Zimbabwe. It was not a very. It was easy to study it. It was a few things that were listed and so forth and so on. I remember doing this very, very clearly. Like we just go through stuff. And my dad told me, "Oh, that one's going to blow up tomorrow." I was like. Oh, you know that? Is, yeah, <laughs> they they got this deal coming through. It'll be announced tomorrow. And I was like, oh, you, you can make money off of that. I was like, no, you can't. Dude, that's called stock manipulation. <laughs> you guys hadn't learned capitalism yet. You hadn't learned the real thing. You need, a, you need some Americans to come that, that, and tell you. That, that's what it was. And I remember this very clearly. Like, And I was like, oh, you could. And then I then shop. But essentially... Uh, stock buybacks are stock manipulation yeah. because you, you, what you're doing is basically jacking up uh, the price of your value on the with the knowledge that you're going to do it. I mean, it, yeah. it should actually be banned in any sense because it's not doesn't represent doesn't represent no. capitalism in its in its idea right of itself right yeah. the idea that you're going to go and buy stock wipe out a bunch of it so that there's a transference through the heat uh, <laughs> after you've knocked that to, 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 I mean, and to announce it. And it's like, this sounds like stock manipulation. Mm-hmm. That, 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 you know what I mean? That, uh, that it's, yeah, been it's, tra- yeah. it's like a spiritual cousin to a pump and dump, right? What the railroads yeah, yeah, used to do. Yes, right. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's one of those things that's like hard to explain how this is different really. Other than the fact that like, I guess it's legal and we all signed off on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Instead of having like shadow entities, third parties that you've given your money to 
pumping the stock. You just do it yourself you as the company. Yourself. Yeah, you do it and exactly. it's legal. Yeah, yeah, usually, right. usually in a leveraged way. Usually you're taking on debt to do it too. So you actually well, like, raise money was. from yeah. investors. Uh, you know, so you're paying interest on that too. Um, objectively puts the corporation um, in a worse position, you know, uh, financially. It doesn't like add value necessarily to the corporation materially. It, it's, it's, it's all just, I mean, a very simple, you know, equation of that. If you have 20 million shares, uh, priced at two hundred dollars. If there was only ten million of those shares, the price would be four hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's, I mean, <laughs> it's an extension of the the like nineteen eighties Wall Street mindset and sort of strategy of liquidating, buying up companies to liquidate them. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Pass on the value yeah. of the sales of all their assets to the yeah. Yeah. the um to the shareholders, and it's like an evolution of that where it's like, hang on. Rather than liquidate these companies and, yeah, you know, get all the value of the assets, but now they don't exist anymore. What if we could keep the game going theoretically indefinitely by just buying back the stock? And then we still have a company on the books. Yeah. Like, it still has assets theoretically. And we can just keep this going forever. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the mistake, like Carl Icahn's mistake was like actually like selling off the, the companies like, uh, you know, yeah, the highest bidder. Like we're gonna keep it and just keep leveraging, and just, just keep, pumping yeah, the value it's out another, of our own hands. Yeah, you know, why is like, why is toil- I mean, and and that's why you even see you see these, and this is like not just industry specific. This is just an overall you know trend in um in finance that's been going on for decades since the eighties, Brian. Yeah. and like um you know, Greg, you were right to point that out. Um, the Thing is, too, is like, you know, people like Carl Icahn and, um, you know, Blackstone is also famous for this, like private equity firms, um, mm. you know, to kind of take it's usually uh, declining uh, businesses like, you know, for instance, like shopping malls and stuff or Toys R Us is a, a famous example, too, of a company that definitely did get more recently, even yeah. though, you know, his balance sheet was um, pretty that healthy. It was like Gordon Gecko style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> that was like real Gordon Gecko shit. You know? um, but yeah, it, it, it's like... <laughs> Toys, yeah. You get, if you haven't read up on the Toys R Us story, don't, you do yourself a favor, dear listener, and um, go. You're in for a treat. <laughs> but uh, SeaWorld is another good example too. Um, you know, uh, where Blackstone I think has a significant equity stake in SeaWorld, and it's like, you know, now I think what we're seeing with you know companies one just like taking on leverage and debt. Like the issue is that there are things that still affect price inputs that are outside of just buybacks right like a global recession for instance we saw that with covid you know yeah. um and it, buybacks have the assumption that the stock price and the stock market health is going to be neutral and there's no yeah. repercussions for the stock price going down right because it just won't yeah. it'll just continue to either be uh, like a steady five percent or twenty percent increase year over year uh, forever, right? And as we know, uh, housing prices will never go true. down. Housing prices yeah. will never go down. Stock prices will never go down. There's like things that won't put a company in jeopardy. Every every projection, you're never going to see a company um, in their earnings report say that you know um, we we you know project that in like five years we 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 might like not have growth. Like it's all about growth. That's actually what drives the stock price, right? So, yeah, um, but, but it it just as we know, it's just not reality, right? Like, uh, yeah, it's the thing not is, the world that we live in. But it's also, but it has a reality effect, right? And meaning that, you know, in a sense, uh, when Boeing was buying all of this stock and inflating its stock through manipulation, it was laying off workers. 
Mm-hmm. You know, at the very same time, it was saying that it didn't have enough money. Now, a lot of people might be like shocked and say, well, that's just them being, you know, I mean, you know, regular capitalists and so forth and so on. But a lot of people don't know that the real argument, the, the argument, because uh, they have to have an argument. They can't just say that they're just grabbing money. Um, the like, argument. We're evil. We're the villains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the argument was that. Uh, the argument for buybacks is um, they're not saying it so much anymore, but if you went to like the Harvard Business School webpage and you put in buybacks, you'll see that uh, they describe them as a way to uh, a company has surpluses that uh, are idle. And you know nobody nobody needs the surplus for some bizarre reason, and so they 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 hand it over to the shareholders, right? And so the logic behind um, the transference, and I think the Seattle Times and the reporters there might have been like believing this to be true, was that uh, was that the, the 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 money that they were using to buy back their stock, because how else do you explain? How else do you explain you're not investing in, in in research and development? How else do you do you explain that you're not? You know what I mean? That you're you're mm-hmm. not sending it to improve production qualities. Um, instead, you say I'm buying back my stock. So you have to the argument that they have, which is really, you know, that after research and after we've done all of our business, oh, there's this like pile of money behind me right here. <laughs> you know, oh. I'm going to use it. I'm not even kidding. If anybody thinks I'm joking, no, <laughs> this is not a joke. The logic is that, oh, there's a pile of money over here. Everybody's been paid. Everything's been done. We've developed our planes and so on and so on. We've been doing all of these things nicely. Ah, and, uh, you know, shareholders are like, we know there's money somewhere around here that you're not giving to us. Where is it? <laughs> you know, <and laughs> oh, it's right behind me, right over here. Here you go. Everybody, we're we're doing all the things. We're building our planes. We're we're paying our workers. We're making sure we have the best engineers in the world. They're getting the education, and so no, this is what they're saying. And everybody is shocked when these planes fall out of the sky, right? Because mm-hmm. they actually think that. That's what they were doing with this cash. They were not sending it to workers who needed it to, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, for, for performance. They were not sending it to development, to, you know what I mean, to improvement. And, and yeah. you know, they were not doing that. They actually used it to burn stock. Yeah, Light, yeah, lighting money on fire essentially in order for the rest of the money to go up. Oh, and I, and, 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 this is... and if, I, if I told you that, I, I was like, yeah, it's exactly that insane. And, you know what I mean? Like, that's what happened. Yeah. And this is happening, what, starting in like the late 2000s, they start buying the stock back? They, they, they started uh, at the end of the, the first decade uh, okay. of, the, of, the, of, of, the, of the of the present millennium you know what i mean yeah. they started so, they started i think they started heavy heavy duty if i'm correct it was around 2013 that's when the the crack was introduced to corporate america and they mm-hmm. all they all started taking it and uh it took off because it was really after the housing crash and they were looking for an, another way to inflate value mm-hmm. one way was through um um government injections of cash 
of course, called uh, uh, QED. Quantitative easing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quantitative easing, not yeah. QED. Quantitative easing was was the was the one which is basically just a, a form of pumping money into yeah. stock market, into stock values, and and then yeah, and it that, allowed them to take loans at zero percent interest rate. Yeah. Interest, if you're going to yeah. just do a stock buyback, I mean, that's essentially free money, right? Which, which I mean, the federal government was, to, was not unaware of, you know. Oh, there, there was a, it was it was it was a, it was like it was like putting uh, it was taking a piece of uh, cow dung and 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 wrapping it in Christmas. Right, <laughs> yeah. well, calling it qualitative easing. It was, it was totally like this is garbage. This is like yeah. you know, it is, that that's how they were doing. But they were they what it was was they were just pumping the stock because the the stock values. Because what they do is they take yeah. the money and then they would the stock values and collapse. The, the stock market didn't collapse because the government supported it. It yeah. should have collapsed. It should have been at nothing right now. We should mm-hmm. be all enjoying stocks right now. I should have a couple in my <laughs> pockets. You know what I mean? Like, I like what am I going to do? I'll buy a sandwich and uh, some should be stock. starting buyers with uh, actual <laughs> stocks. Yeah, with, yeah. The, with the shares. This is not even a joke. But that's where they should be. But yeah, the government, yeah. the you that we all fund, paid them to, stay, to, to have their high values. And if, yeah. it is, if you look at quantitative easing, that's one. And then the other one was they 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 they, they hit upon um, uh, um, um, stock buybacks. So that's what, yeah. and they haven't stopped. So they haven't really come up. I was looking for a new instrument. The uh, uh, Boeing, I thought, might have actually had had a new instrument, um, which was uh, which was uh, borrowing on on the promise that the government would pay it back. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They, Hell yeah. yeah. They did that. They did that with their twenty-five billion dollar loan, which meant that that uh, the, the the loan was guaranteed by the government, but um, they didn't have to have any uh, uh, public commitments. Yeah. 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 They basically backdoored a bailout. I mean, which is what yeah. which is what yeah. quantitative easing was too. It was just backdoor yeah, back a bailout yeah. because. They realize that shit is rightfully unpopular. Yeah, but, I mean, I, th- I think this like hits on a point that you brought up earlier, which you know, I mean, we liked the movie, but one of the weaknesses of the movie is centers around this idea that this you know merger with McDonnell Douglas, uh, cr- you know, created a personality conflict that sent us yeah. onto our, our crash course, right? Whereas in reality, like most things in our capitalism, right, structural things that have been going on since the late seventies and nineteen eighties were taking effect, right? Absolutely. And that's why every company in America was doing the exact same that thing. That same thing. Despite yes. having not merged with McDonald Douglas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And I, that's what I wanted to, that was what I everybody wants to see it as a a story of a as of, of a fallen individual. Like this is like, no, this was structural. This mm-hmm. is happening corporate wide. It's not yeah. uh, through deregulation yeah. and federal programs, the, the, the right? programs yeah. and stuff, right. and and uh, that's what they did. And the question is, we have to ask, as I said, you have to ask yourself, what was what was the American economy like before this uh, transformation? And you have to ask another question: Well, why was the economy like that at that time? Well, then you have to go back even a little bit further, and then so and so on, and then you have to look at these other issues. But it's I'm, I'm just, it's always bad news to tell people like it's. It's a it's a little work to see how all of this, um, how all of this sort of fits, and mm-hmm. um, and it does take a little work. It's not it's not uh, something. I know I'm glad you guys are doing this podcast because yeah, no, it's not it's not as obvious and it's not as straightforward. You know what I mean? 
as, yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to I'd like to tell everybody the story in in a few you know in a few pieces, but no, 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 no. And you know, and that documentary wants to tell the story as one is clearly about 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 the fallen culture of American. Um, can doism, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh. just suddenly undermined by by the the worst elements of the society. But we can, which, which provides us with a sense of like hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what? Just to sort of clarify, what the um, documentary presents is that when Boeing, the sort of sainted perfect company. Uh, merges with the uh, depraved freaks uh, from the failing <laughs> McDonnell Douglas. That's when, then sort of over the Everything course of the next south, few years, yeah. the, the McDonnell Douglas execs sort of rise to the top of this net new merged Boeing, and their culture uh, is, you know, telling the engineers to go fuck themselves and separating themselves from... Uh, management and i th- and i think what we're saying if i can sum it up is that this is a thing that happened and to like a lot of the actual like upper engineers who had experienced one culture um you know they may have exper- you know before the merger over the decades they may have experienced it this way and yeah. this is where the journalists are getting these quotes in this story they may have experienced this as this culture shift as related to the McDonald yeah. Douglas merger, but but if we take a step back and see the structural forces that are happening in the economy since the seventies in every corporation, we can see that the McDonald Douglas merger was more likely the thing that allowed the changes that corporate America and the you know more recently empowered shareholders of of Boeing like wanted to see happen and needed to happen. Yeah. That maybe maybe to Boeing's credit, it had. It's culture uh, of, you know, unionized engineers like had held out longer with its, you know, provincial sort of culture from Seattle where corporate the corporate management was closer to the engineers. Maybe this thing held out longer into the 90s that instead of dying off in the 80s was still around in the in the late 90s to be finally killed off but that this was a death that was coming because yeah. of all these other yeah. changes. Yeah. You know this it, is just the way that it happened. Yeah. And then you know it also has to deal with the fact that uh when you're dealing with airplanes it's you have this massive uh um fixed capital issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um where it's going to just be slower just because of the kind of capital that's involved in the in the production of planes. And so it was, but it was not, you, you, there's no way you can say that the move to South Carolina was extraordinary. I mean, car manufacturers and so forth and so on. If you go back to Thomas, uh, Thomas Sugway, uh, 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 a Detroit based historian, I'm sorry, I just mm-hmm. can't remember his book, but he wrote about, um, he had a really fascinating insight uh about uh sugu is it s-u-g it's a sugrui i believe yeah yeah Yeah, the origins of yeah the origins of the urban crisis is an absolute banger classic isn't it you know perfect explanation of why america fucking sucks but like i'm so happy you (laughs) know this book because it's buried i'm sorry i'm so glad you brought him you 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 corrected my pronunciation because i just you know you read something i just never heard his name but the book was 
book to be fair, this is just what I hear from graduate students. I, who knows yeah. what's correct? <laughs> no, 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 no. The book is marvelous because it locates the departure mm-hmm. from the old production model all the way back to 1949. Mm-hmm. And he sees oh, wow. this, he sees this structural development. Um, and he says that the uh, thing that happened in the 1960s with the urban revolt and uh, the, the Detroit riots and all that stuff, and you know they say they say oh it was the it was the uh, the assassination of important political black political leaders or in this case you know so they say no actually they they were desiccated already the movement had mm-hmm. already occurred the, we pinned that and because in a way we want to blame black people like they went angry and 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 broke things and therefore white people fled and it's like they were already gone actually yeah. for the most part and in his book he sort of lays out this 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 structural he he lays it out in a much more um uh, uh a sophisticated manner where you're looking through the fifties, uh, through the sixties, to the seventies, and it's not this sudden rupture. You see, uh, you know, you see an increasing emphasis on it's a war. Yeah, yeah. that is that is more and more right. Uh, um, gaining strength, and so what do they do? They go to the suburbs, but they also go to the south. They also go to places that are not where unions don't exist. They're tired mm-hmm. of the, the, you know, they're tired of the, the unions in uh, at, at the Ford factory in, um, you know what I mean? In, uh, yeah. you know, where, where, where blacks and whites are way too militant, maybe even yeah, getting yeah. together to the horror of management, which is what was happening in Detroit. Right, uh-huh. you know, and you know, and you know, uh, yeah. they, when they moved to the suburbs, it was no coincidence when they first moved out of the Detroit metro area and get it, get some of the first plants out in the suburbs. Those were all neighborhoods that were segregated neighborhoods, right? They all were yes. protected by racial covenants that, and all that kind and, of stuff. Yes, and it was like we want a segregated workforce because a segregated workforce is easier to control. It's, it's easier know? to control, like, but yeah, no, they were uh, dealing with stuff at the Ford factory where no, the blacks and the whites were militant, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. they were actually together, and they wanted a situation. Where the, the those in 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 the top you know parts yeah. of the of the union were supposed to control these racial issues and to temper them down, but you know they they weren't doing apparently a good enough job. But um, if you look at all the robotization that mm-hmm. occurred, you ha- these were the factories that were first hit. Yeah, and with not and now this is again in this book. I I, I tell everybody read this book, uh, and tell me you do not see Boeing. You don't see the whole story of Boeing in the 1990s and what happens in the 2000s and planes falling out of the sky and so on. So if you read that, then you see it as as not a uh, an, uh, a simple story of uh, management, you know, of, of a switch of management of the, the relationship with workers, but as a, as a profound transformation of how we deal with um, the economy, or, yeah. or, or a profound economic transformation in general. It's just a, a later... Uh, a later occurrence mm-hmm. of it. It happened, that, you know, at the tail end t- of the t- transformation t- t- yes, of American manufacturing corporations. This transition, Boeing maybe was one of the last. But I think it's interesting to note too. I mean, you know, much like autos move initially to the south. I mean, Boeing wasn't the only one that moved to the south. They moved to no. South Carolina. Airbus has facilities in Alabama. There's a yeah. whole corridor being it's built cool. yeah, yeah. along the Gulf Coast, and uh, there was a, a a tanker deal that the Pentagon was handing out in the mid aughts. Uh, there was a big, big deal, massive contract, all that that was between Boeing and Airbus, naturally. And the whole thing came down to 
who is going to build a plant in Alabama to manufacture it? And I mean, this is, again, just like with auto, it's how the federal government also steers everything towards these, you know, low wage labor areas, right? You know, it's like, look, we see what's happening. We see the game. We'll help steer the ship to lower wage waters, right? Yeah, and it's it's really sad because uh, it means that they can also reinforce ideas about uh, that they keep that keep the right in power as well. And by those mm-hmm. policies, it, it's, it's, it's just a catastrophe um, because this is going to be exploited, but they're all, they're already yeah. uh, poor and we'll have to see. So we've uh, discussed so far, we've discussed the, you know, the changing cor- inevitable change in corporate culture uh, at Boeing to, you know, force out the unions to uh, separate, management from labor to maximize shareholder profit, uh, something that was discussed in the documentary. We've talked about the next phase, which was the rampant uh, stock buybacks that are concurrent with massive layoffs and outsourcing around the world to their parts, um, which uh, was less talked about, and especially the stock buybacks in the documentary. Um, We are going to get to uh, the planes falling out of the sky, we're going to get to predictions about what, uh, you know, Amazon buying stock back means for the future. So we can all be right again. Uh, and we're going to get to uh, family stories about Munya. But we're going <laughs> to take a, a short break for you and finish the rest on our uh, Patreon with Charles next week. Um, thank you so much, Charles. Uh, there's obviously a lot more to talk about. Thanks for coming on. Yes, uh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, because I think also one of the things we want to get in with you, into with you too, is uh, the utilization of racism against the pilots. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I don't want to leave it on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And also, we'll also learn about what happened with the crash, and we can actually get into that really, and then and say like what what the die. You know, but that time we will know the the hard information in the crash and how it's being dealt with in the media. So yeah, and there's still there's a lot. There's still a lot to think about. And yeah. Seattle is still an interesting place. You know, one of the things I, I, I wanted to discuss was how Boeing is kind of shedding all of its properties in the region. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one of the important, like, the headquarters uh, up here in Renton has, and I told Munya this, I said, Munya, you know that the headquarters at, at, at uh, the headquarters at uh, Renton has been has been taken over by the Sounders, and mm-hmm. uh, it was perfect. Like, like, like <laughs> and I wanted to go into why this is a very interesting development from production to recreation. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's gentrification, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It's like. Uh, you know, bars and uh, yeah. wedding spaces going up in old factories and, <laughs> and shit. It's, 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 it's perfect. It's, it's true that Seattle, Seattle was arriving at a new stage. The fact yeah. that the Sounders <laughs> moved in there meant that 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 they had the kind of money that could do that. And they were like, yeah. oh. in the old days, it was like, no, not not a not a not a bike production mm-hmm. company, not a not a car production. No, it's football. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> We don't, don't produce. Do we don't produce. We only consume. No, we have, I will it, say it, the uh, the maintenance workers at Renton have told me that place is just like infested with rats because of how near it is to the water. So enjoy Sounders. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's uh, always a little trick in a real estate deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. All you have to do is get your terriers out there. You know that? There you go. <laughs> the, the terrier. All you have to do is 
make a call out to Seattle and say, who's got a terrier? Come to the field. <laughs> Just tossing cats into the window, you know. Want to be a super fan of the Sounders? <laughs> Want to get a commemorative jersey? Here's how. Be part of the rat squad. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, but they're supposed to build a couple of fields out there yeah. for that project. But anyway, good night, everybody. Next, I'll see you next week. Good night, Charles. Charles.